Jesus is alive. That's right. Jesus is alive. He is no longer in the grave. He is not dead. He is not in the tomb. So today, as a global family, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to welcome each and every single one of you. My name is Jonathan. I am the lead pastor of Vive City Chapel. I want to welcome you and thank you for allowing us to come into your home, come into your living room, your kitchen, and allowing us really to bring life right where you are. That's our heart. That's our desire. That's our vision as a church, which is to bring life to everyone, everywhere, every day. I want to thank you for taking the time out to celebrate Resurrection Sunday with us. Today we are going to be uh, looking into a passage of Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 to 8. Matthew 28 verses 1 to 8. Let's jump right in and see what the Lord has to say to us today. It reads, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week, Began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Verse 3 His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Verse 5 But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you so. And our focus for this morning is verse 8. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to bring his disciples word. This morning, if I, if I can title our talk, really, I would title it as Marked by Easter. Marked by Easter. Truthfully, if, if we really begin to think about it, there are a few things that will mark your life forever. There are some experiences that we go through that we will never forget. For, for, for some of us, it's that first kiss. For others, it's that first drink, that first party, that first child. It's, it's that first job that you had and when you saw all the money that you were making. For others, it's, it's the breakup that you went through. Some of the things that we go through in life, they mark us and they change our lives forever. And today, as we Look outside the gates of Jerusalem on this Sunday morning. We find Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, where they have come to this tomb to see the body of Jesus. And when they arrive at the tomb, they are amazed to find just a few things that took place. One of the things that happened was the, that the stone that covered the tomb, it was rolled away. And, and, and the crazy thing about this is, as they were approaching, to the tomb, approaching the tomb, they were tr- trying to figure out, how are we going to move this stone? How are we going to roll the stone away? Only to find out that when they arrived there, the stone has already been moved. Because the truth is, 
while you're trying to figure some things out in life, we've got to understand that as believers, God has already worked it out. There's no reason to stress. There's no reason to worry. There's no reason to try and figure things out on your own. We need to know that God is already working things out for us on our behalf. And so when these ladies arrived to the tomb, they found out that these soldiers who had been assigned by Pilate to guard the tomb to keep the body of Jesus from being stolen, they come and they find these men, as the Bible says, that they look like dead men. In other words, they look like they were sedated. What's ironic about this picture here is that here it is outside the tomb, the men who were alive now look like they're dead. And inside the tomb, a man who a few days ago looked dead, but now he is alive. These ladies, they come and they find an angel sitting on the stone, and the angel invites them to come in and see where the Lord has been laid. And he declares to them the good news of the gospel today, which is Jesus Christ, who was crucified, is now raised from the dead, just as he said. The angel invites them to come into this place where their lives will be changed forever. He says, come in and see where the Lord has been laid. And allow me to mark your spirit with something that will give evidence to everyone around you that you now believe that Jesus is alive. And today, if you would dare step into this empty tomb and allow me to play angel in your life and allow me to say that Jesus Christ is risen just as he said. I really believe that this will cause a ripple effect in your life if you believe that Jesus is alive today. It will change how you live your life. It will change how you go about your day. It will change how you navigate through the challenges of life. It will change how you respond and react to the headlines of today. It will change how you view the, 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 um, the coronavirus even from right now. It will change your life and that everyone around you will come to know that you are a believer in the fact that Jesus is not dead, but yes, he is alive. I believe there are some evidences that you ought to have in your life as one who has been exposed to this Easter moment, one who has been marked by the season of resurrection. There, there ought to be some signs that declare that you have been impacted by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so today, I want to look at how Easter has branded you, how Easter has marked you, because there are some dis distinctive characteristics of those who believe that Jesus is not dead, but yet he is alive. Hang out with me today in verse number 8. And let's see how Easter has marked us, how Easter has branded us today. If you believe that Jesus has rose from the dead and that he is alive, I believe the first thing that you must come to terms with is that you must have a surrendered spirit. You must have a surrendered spirit. Right there, let's look at verse number seven. Verse number seven, the angels told the woman to run out quickly. And then verse 8 begins by saying, they left quickly. Let me bring it back. In verse number 7, it says, the angels told the woman to run out quickly. And in verse number 8, it begins by saying, they left quickly. 
which means that they did what they were told to do, the way that they were told to do it, because one of the signs that you believe Christ is risen from the dead is that you no longer live life under your own terms. You no longer live life your own way, but rather you surrender your will to God. You obey the word of God and you trust the ways of God. Let me bring that beat back. You see, one of the ways that I demonstrate that I believe that Christ is risen from the dead is that I surrender my will to God. I obey the word of God and I trust the ways of God. In other words, you don't live your life however you want to live it. But you live your life in obedience to how the Lord has called you to live because you live a surrendered life to his ways. This is why you can tell when somebody knows Jesus. They're obedient to God's word. Even today, as all church buildings are closed, rather than sitting around watching Netflix and news all day, we still follow Hebrews 10 by not forsaking our gathering as believers. We've gathered collectively, globally, online, digitally. You know why you ought to be kind to your crazy co-workers? Because Jesus says, love them that hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you. You, you, know, you want to know why you should keep your head up when all hell is going on around you? Because James tells us to count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You, you want to know why I get a good night's sleep even though I got stuff going on around me? Because the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And what? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. You see, you see, believing that Jesus is alive, it assures you that God will fulfill his word. Watch this right here. The angel says, Christ isn't here because he's risen, just as he said. He's risen because he said so. <laughs> he, he's risen just because he said he would rise. So what the empty tomb reminds us is that God will always do what he said he would do. And, and, and the reason you know that you can trust God at his word is because Christ is risen from the dead and he is alive. People sometimes ask, Pastor, how do you know God will do it? And the only response I could possibly even think of is because Christ lives. How do I know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord? It's easy. It's because Christ lives. How do I know that weeping endures for a night? It's easy. It's because Christ is alive. How do I know that the Lord shall supply all my needs? It's easy because Christ is alive. How do I know that no weapons formed against me shall prosper? It's easy because Christ is alive. How do I know that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength? It's easy because Christ is alive. Family, you should walk in this life of a surrendered spirit because you know Christ is alive. And because he's alive, you can trust every word of God. How should I be marked by this resurrection? How should I be marked by this Easter day? Number one, I should have a surrendered spirit. But still right here in verse number eight, it says that they left quickly with fear. They left 
quickly with fear. The, the, the second mark of a believer, I believe, is having fearless faith. Fearless faith. The, the, the Bible says that they left with fear. And, and the word used here in the Greek is the word phobos. Phobos, which is where we get the word phobia. So, so this is not referring to fearing the Lord with reverence, but, but fear for something or fear of someone. Now, as you look at this passage, you really should be, begin to ask yourself the question, well, what are they afraid of? There are no Pharisees. The Sanhedrins believe this is all done and over with. The soldiers are down for the count. So, so the question still remains, what could they possibly be afraid of? This point right here, I want you to stick with me. It might be a bit deep, so stick with me right here. In verse 8, it says they are afraid. But after verse 8 comes verse 9. 8, then 9. In verse 8, they're afraid. In verse 9, Jesus shows up. In verse 10, Jesus asks the question. Jesus states, uh, says the statement, don't be afraid. Check this out right here. Jesus rolls up on them at the tomb and basically says, if you believe in me, if you believe that I am alive, if you believe that I rose from the dead, there should be nothing that frightens you. There should be nothing that makes you anxious. There should be nothing that makes you fearful. The Bible says that Paul told Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear. In other words, when you look at life from God's perspective, there's no reason for you and I to be afraid. There's no reason for you and I to be scared, regardless of the diagnosis, regardless of the problem or the issue. There's no reason for us to fear. You see, when you know that Jesus is alive, you don't have to be afraid because really the good news here at the graveyard is that whatever it is, God can handle it. Right there, right there, right there, right there in the chat. God can handle it. Whatever wants to make you afraid, whatever wants to make you worried, whatever wants to bring your blood pressure up, whatever is waking you up at night, whatever is making your stomach flip and flop, you've got to tell yourself that God can handle it. It's right there in the text, right there in the story today. If stones need to be moved, God can handle it. If, if the earth needs to be shaken, God can handle it. If angels need to be dispatched, God can handle it. If statistics need to be defied, God can handle it. No matter what it is, that, that has got to be my model. That has got to be the thing that I hold on to. The fact that God can handle it. Jesus tells these women not to be afraid because if you've seen and believe that, that, that God can resurrect his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead, there's nothing that you should worry about. Because if God can personally conquer death, everything else on your agenda is easy for God. Everything else that's overwhelming you is easy for God. Everything else that is stressing you out is easy for God. Everything else that is worrying you, it's easy for God. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus is alive, number one, I don't have to be afraid. Number two, you can trust God's way. Number three, because Jesus is alive, you've got to have some joy about Jesus. 
You've got to have some joy about Jesus. The Bible says in verse 8, still right there, they ran out quickly with fear and great joy. Right there. It's right there in the text. Don't miss it. They left with great joy. They didn't just leave with joy. They left with great joy. The, the, the word great in your Bible, in the Greek, is the word megas. Megas is where we get the word mega. In other words, they left with mega joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They left with mega joy. Uh, you, you guys know that word mega. You guys are familiar with it. You, you guys have used it, and it's motivated and caused some things to rise up inside of you. Mega, you know, Powerball. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you guys know that. Mega millions. Yeah, yeah. I, I know many of you guys, you guys go every week and do all of that. Yeah, you guys know about it. But for the rest of us, who's not always scratching tickets, when you hear that the mega millions pays $240 million, yeah, it makes you want to buy a ticket and play some numbers. For, for, for some of you guys right now, you're thinking, um, so what, what was pastor's um, scripture reference today? Uh, chapter 28, 1 to 10. Uh, give me 28, uh, give me 1, and give me 10. Because the truth is, mega makes you want it. Mega makes you want to go after it. And the Bible says that those who believe ought to have some mega joy. Now, now I, I want us to help us understand the context of where this mega joy is coming from. Here it is, these women, they have mega joy, even though they're not meeting in a church building. They have mega joy even though there's no pastor in the pulpit. They have mega joy even though there's no one there alongside with them. The only thing that made them rejoice and have this mega joy was the fact that they heard that Jesus is alive. And today, right in the chat room right now, there are two types of people that are watching me right now. There, there are those that need everything to be in order, everything to be perfect for them to be happy in the Lord. Maybe that's you today. You need everything to be right, everything to be perfect for you. But I believe there are some Marys who can say that even if I ain't got nothing but the assurance of my Savior risen from the dead, living alive, sitting at the right hand of the Father, that's all that I need to say amen. That's all that I need to clap from where I am. That's all that I need to say thank you, to have a grateful heart in my life. That's all that I need right now. Because the truth is, this joy that you have, this joy that's on the inside of you, the world did not give it to you, and so neither can they take it from you because this joy is not determined by everything that's going on on the outside. That's, that's the crazy thing about joy. Joy can come in and collide in the midst of chaos, can come and collide in the midst of everything that's going on. Even though it does not make sense, joy has a way of slipping right in and confusing everything that's going on around you. This is why the Bible says that they had great joy in verse 8, but yet Jesus didn't even show up. In verse 8, they're still in the graveyard, but yet they got great joy. In verse 8, they're still at the cemetery. Jesus didn't show up yet. But yet they still have great joy. They have great joy when all around them is just signs of darkness. They're in a dead place, but yet they have great joy. Even what they were expecting for 
they didn't receive it. But yet there was some joy that was on the inside of them. So the question that you might be asking here is, how do you have joy in a cemetery? How, how do you have joy when you haven't even seen Jesus yet? I believe the reason is because when they came to this empty tomb, it not only gave them great joy, but it also gave them hope. Yeah. You see, they just believe that even if Jesus is not here now, he will soon come to them. And part of the reason they are joyful is because they have hope that they will see what the angel said, which is Jesus is alive. You see, when you have joy on the inside of you, when you have joy on the inside of you and you believe that Jesus is alive, your hope cannot die. Your hope cannot die when you believe that Jesus is alive. The the fact that he lives, it keeps my joy from dying. So I can stand in a dark and discouraging place and have the audacity to believe that it's going to get better. I, I, I can stand in front of a doctor who says it's stage three and still hope and believe that God can heal me. I can stand in front of a supervisor who says I'm no longer needed here and still hope and believe that the Lord is going to meet all of my needs. I can stand and believe in the midst of everything that is going on in my life right now. As long as Jesus lives, my days are going to get better. Because Jesus lived, number one, we say you can trust and follow God's way. Number two, we say that you don't have to be afraid. Three, you can have joy and hope in obscure, difficult, and challenging places. Last one, you can have joy. You cannot be afraid. You can trust and follow God's way. And lastly here, When I believe that Jesus is alive, I must accept my assignment. I must accept my assignment. In other words, you've got work to do. The the, the Bible says that these women are given an assignment from the angels, and the angels tell them, go and tell the disciples that he's risen, and he will see them in Galilee. The Bible says in verse 8, they ran out quickly with fear and great joy to go tell the disciples So here it is. The angels tell them, go to the disciples and tell the disciples that Jesus is risen from the dead and he will see them in Galilee. The Bible says that as these women are on their way to fulfill their assignment, they meet Jesus and Jesus reiterates the assignment and he says, go tell my brothers, I will see them in Galilee. What what I want to do as as, as we end, I I really want to kind of like bring these two thoughts together. Here it is. The angel says, go tell the disciples that he's risen and he will see them in Galilee. Jesus then shows up and says, tell my brothers I will see them in Galilee. Here, let let me bring these two thoughts together because I feel like some of you guys are getting confused right there. The angel says, I need you to do these two things. Tell the disciples he's risen and Jesus will see them in Galilee. Jesus says, tell my brothers... I'll just see them in Galilee. 
Now, 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 what you're missing right there is that Jesus never told the woman to tell the disciples he had risen. But the angels tells them to say that Jesus is alive and he has risen from the dead. So the question that you might be asking and thinking, why the difference between the two assignments? Check this out. When the angel gives the assignment, they have yet to see Jesus. So the angel tells them to tell the disciples that he's risen from the dead because they didn't see him yet. But when Jesus shows up and gives them the assignment, he simply says, tell my brothers I will see them in Galilee. Because the truth is, I don't have to tell you that I've risen from the dead because you've seen me for yourself. And once you've seen me for yourself, ain't nobody got to tell you to share it with somebody else. Because when you've seen what the Lord will do in your life, nobody has to tell you to tell somebody else to share it with somebody else. When you've seen what God can do, you automatically go and share it with somebody else. When you've seen God answer prayers, you don't need a praise and worship leader to tell you to give God some praise. When you've seen God heal your body, You don't need a pastor to tell you to pray and say amen. You don't need to tell, you don't need to go after and tell somebody else. We've got to understand that when God does something in our lives, it's natural. It should be natural for you to share it with somebody else. So that's why Jesus does not tell the ladies, tell tell the disciples that I've risen from the dead because you're going to do it anyways. Jesus' assignment to them. He says, go tell my brothers that I will meet them in Galilee. Now, the reason why this is so distinctive right here is because the angels told the ladies, told the women, go tell the disciples. But in this assignment that Jesus gives, he doesn't say disciples. He calls them brothers. I believe the reason why is because these men must have failed in their discipleship. Let's let's, let's think about it. They failed in their discipleship. They ran from the cross. They denied they ever knew him. They they doubted that he rose. They, 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 They went back to fishing. Some of them, they're sitting around moping and they're sad in the upper room. So Jesus says they have failed as disciples. But this is, this is what I love here. Even though they failed as disciples, they're still my brothers. Even though they failed as disciples, Jesus still says, they're my brothers. In other words, the message here is, no matter how many times that you have failed, he still loves you. No, no, no matter how many mistakes you have made, he still loves you. No, no matter how many times you have fallen short, he still loves you. And this is our assignment here, that when we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's not simply telling other people what God has done for us, but we've got to tell them what God can do for them. This right here is the message of the church, that no matter who you are, the Lord loves you. No matter how low you have fallen, the Lord loves you. No matter how many times you have made the same mistake time and time again, the Lord loves you. No matter how bad you think your life is, the Lord loves you. That is the message today. Because I truly believe that through the love of Jesus, your life can be transformed. 
through, through the love of Jesus, you have value and purpose. Through the love of Jesus, his peace comes and comforts you. There's no need to live in your guilt when the Lord says, I love you. Today, this is what I want to reiterate to you. The Lord loves you. As we close today, there are a few things that we do at our church. Number one, we allow people to recommit their lives to Christ. I believe that in response to God's immense love, God's unconditional love, I believe we should always respond in a way where we say yes. Saying yes to Jesus, saying yes to his ways, saying yes to having faith in him because he loves us so much. If, If that's you today and you have yet to say yes to Jesus, yes to his ways, yes to his will, I want to give you an opportunity right there in the chat. You can raise your hand on our online platform or either on Facebook. And right there, as I'm going to lead you into a prayer, you may be with your family, you may be with friends, or you may even be by yourself. You can pray in your heart or even pray out loud. But the gist of this prayer that I'm going to pray is just basically you saying yes to the Lord. And I believe it's when you say yes, that's when you begin to see how your life begins to change and transform because of your yes. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, the one who said yes first to humanity out of his immense love, unconditional love, sacrificial love. That's why we are here today. That's why we are celebrating that he's not in the grave, but he has come out and he sits by your right hand. Father, there are many out there today who are saying yes for the first time. Father, I thank you that you said yes first. And today they are responding to your yes. Father, I pray that on this day, you would give them the strength that they need, the courage that they need to live life according to purpose and not just preference. That they would realize their assignment, would realize what you have called them to. And this will be the day that their life would be changed, would be different. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. If, if, if you prayed that prayer in your heart where you said yes to Jesus, yes to his ways, I want to encourage you to text Jesus to 555-888. It should be at the bottom. We want to walk with you. We want to do this journey with you. I believe that we are called to do this together, to do life together. So please, if you can, just text Jesus to 555-888, and someone will be in contact with you to walk with you through this time. Uh, A second thing that we do, we give an opportunity, is for those of you who are interested in partnering with us as a church, 
just this past week, we were serving meals to uh, students, serving lunch uh, this past week. We, we are looking to do as much as we can as a, com- as a church community during this time to see how we can impact this next generation, to see how we can impact the people in the city of North Miami. If, if you're interested in partnering with us, coming alongside us as a church to continue this vision and this mission of bringing life to everyone, everywhere, every day. There, there's a few ways that we have made this possible for you. One of the ways is that you can go to our website, vibecitychapel.org slash give. And right there, if you like, you can set up a reoccurring giving, giving and not have to worry about it. Another way you can do it is through Cash App or Zelle. The email address that we use is info at vivecitychapel.org. And if you're just saying, you know what, I don't want to deal with technology anymore, let's put that off to the side. We've made it quite simple for you. You can go ahead, and if you'd like, you can mail it to us to 15651 Northwest 6th Avenue, Miami, Florida, 33169. I want to thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your giving because it's truly making a difference, not only within this house, but also within this community. And lastly, as a family, you guys already know how we ended every single Sunday. Our vision, as I've been stating it, is to bring life to everyone, everywhere, every day. So on three, let's shout bring life. One, two, three, bring life. One, two, three, bring life. One, two, three, bring life. God bless you. I love you, family. Take care.